What do you think? Might work. It's worth a try. Do you hear me? Pull to open. Pull to open. Yes, and what do you do? Live pig's blood, herbs and pepper. Why am I thinking of food? From now on, it's a healthy vegetarian diet. Oh, my giddy aunt. Oh, crumbs. Here comes the drums. So here it comes, the sound of drums. Here come the drums, here come the drums. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to Pull to Open, an ongoing quest to watch all of Doctor Who, the entire television series in random order. I'm Pete Paschal. And I'm Chris Taylor, and we're a couple of guys, a couple of journalists. We've covered Doctor Who in the past. We'd love to talk about Doctor Who. And uh, we we love to vary. We, we switch up the sound of drums, and today we, we gave you a starburst. Just for you, because we are in uh, the '80s Starburst intro territory of Doctor Who. Pete, uh, where where are we, and where we've we been? <laughs> well, I sometimes like to call the Starburst the Visual. <laughs> there we go. You did it better. <laughs> yes, but prior to we were at no wait, I don't even. Um, Way we back in the days of three episodes ago, actually long yeah. ago, three months ago or something in the real world, uh, we were doing some Pertwee, okay? So we came from Carnival of Monsters. That's right. The first story and... to mention Tellurians. Exactly. Exactly. And also about a miniscope band. Right. Um, then they, the randomizer took us to the very beginning of the John Pertwee era. At Spearhead from Space. So we also, saw the very first Auton episode. Also Robert Holmes, yes. Also Robert Holmes, very nice. And then it bounced us forward in time, but not too far forward that we actually got to the new series. It actually took us <laughs> to the last season of the original series. We got to Battlefield, which was the first story of Sylvester McCoy's last season. Right. After which we were hoping for a respite from the classic series. We've been hoping for a while that the randomizer would take us to a new series, to the new series, and we could talk about something different. Uh, then uh, oh. how cheap the effects were. But no! Pete, where did it yep. take us? Where did the randomizer take us? It us, rewound to Colin Baker's first season. That would be season 22 and the fourth story of that season, The Two Doctors. Whoop, whoop. Our mm. second multi-doctor story on this random yeah. adventure. It took us to Day of the Doctor first, which is just unsurpassed as a multi-doctor mm -hmm. adventure. And then this one, which is sort of the the odd duck of multi doctor, which barely qualifies as a barely. multi doctor because it has the it has two doctors. It's in the title, just just the two, and just arguably two. every regeneration episode is thus a multi doctor story. But <laughs> doesn't really matter. Um, no, they they tried here. It's a, it's an interesting thing. There's a lot of things to talk about with regard to it being a multi-doctor story and what that means for the story and the show itself. There's some behind-the-scenes stuff with that. Uh, we'll get into it. We'll get into all of it, guys. We're going to talk about the second Doctor, the sixth Doctor. The Doctor's not here. Maybe we won't. But there'll be a lot of talk about that. Missing seasons that this episode might imply. I've got a new theory on that, by the way, so stay tuned for it. Uh, but before we do that, we should first go into the Pulls You Open feedback loop. Yes. 
As folks said, first up in the feedback loop are reviews. Reviews are great. <laughs> Thank you, everyone who has left a review so far. We really appreciate them. If you have not left a review, please do. It doesn't really take long at all. Go ahead, fire up the Apple Podcast app. That's actually the best place, one of the only places to leave reviews. Uh, but whatever app you happen to be listening on, please go ahead and review us. Yeah. We really appreciate it. They really help with the visibility of the show in the app. Uh, leave us uh, leave us yeah. an emoji if if you want to or if you if you're feeling really ambitious leave us an emoji story as mm. in a summary of a doctor who story in emoji form exactly uh, we do see... uh, that's but we have one of those this week yes spoiler alert <laughs> Spoilers. Uh, because we also love to read our reviews live on the air mm. i'm about to which i'm about to do now go ahead and leave one and this could be you uh, and Valyard ninety is the handle of the person who left this review. You could well, be Valyard ninety since it's the Valyard. Uh, it it could be <laughs> you, or it will be you, in in some dark right. future. Between your twelfth and final incarnation, <laughs> this is the Valyard between the ninetieth and ninety first incarnations. Uh, but someone who resides in Great Britain, fancy that. Hey. Um, and. The review goes like this. Here, the title is "Must Listen for Anyone Wanting Doctor Who and Randomness." And who doesn't want all of those things? I don't know. I mean, if if you if you want Doctor Who, surely you want randomness, I mean, right? Just they, they, you know, you kind of go together. Well, you want that that the dice with the cosmos. That's what we. That's what we say here. All right, and that five stars. Thank you very much, Valiard ninety. And it says, "Really enjoying this. Watching along is great, and the podcast is still awesome without knowing the stories." Well, yes. I like that. I'm glad it is. My Doctor right. Who emoji story. Okay, so here it goes. Here's the Doctor Who emoji story. Elderly woman. Door. Um, younger woman, it looks like. And then three crying emojis, like the real crying, not the crying yeah. tears of joy. Um, huh. If it's if it is a young woman, I was I was looking at this earlier and trying to figure out what what that other emoji is. Um, would would this be the girl who waited? Would that be I was going Amy there Bond? Too. Yes, I think it is. Yeah, because that's a tearjerker. That's a really yeah. dramatic one. And you have elderly Amy and younger Amy. Uh, you know, our the Amy we know and love. Hmm. And it's all in there. And it's I think that's what it is. And she goes through a door. <laughs> yep, yep. There's definitely so, a door in the episode. Unless there's a there's a episode with the word door in the title that would be more appropriate i can't think of one though i might just not be it's not knock knock i know that knock knock it would not be elderly woman yeah that wouldn't, uh, it wouldn't be anything like uh, listen or anything like that mm -hmm. uh, no, i'm going i'm yeah. going with the girl who waited i yeah. think you got it well let us know valiant night if we if we got yeah. that wrong um you know please uh, please correct us and we invite you always to to write in and correct us in your reviews and in your comments, uh, you know, we're as we said last week, we're we're something of a democratic entity here. In something of something of. I mean, if as long as you accept the god of randomness, uh, who is capricious and decides our fate, and um, you know, so, but as, as long as you can accept the republic of randomness, I think. Yes, a republic <laughs> of randomness. I love it. Wow. All righty, the republic of randomness. Yeah, folks. Those, All right. That's that's the reviews. Again, you could be just like Valyard ninety here, and uh, you know, if you leave a review, we'd be happy to to chat about it. 
Also, if you're one of our first 50, and I think we're coming up to the end of that soon, um, you will win a prize or have be, be, be in the running to win a prize. Yeah. Which... And the, the prize is fantastic. And uh, we've asked Pete lots of questions about it. I fear I fear kind of revealing the, the yeah, score of the prize. So I think we're guys... just going to... You guys might have noticed we're not asking questions about it anymore. We're getting we're getting too close to what yeah. it is, and I think some people have guessed. Um, so we'll 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 have a prize draw in a future episode fairly soon. So watch Indeed. for that. Listen Indeed. to that. Depending but on the platform you're on, watch or listen. over on uh, YouTube. Uh, meanwhile, on YouTube, it's still happening. Yeah. It's still happening, guys. At youtube.com slash pull to open is where to find us there. Season two keeps coming so we're all the way up to modern undead now which is great timing given that we've just had a couple of brigadier episodes i know um, and modern undead otherwise known as the two brigadiers right exactly <laughs> um modern undead's up there we have a lot of other ones we have the i think it was the pyramid at the end of the world it's still there inferno a lot of great doctor who greats and great episodes of Pull to Open. Check them out. They come every Wednesday. We're also uploading our shorts and our um, Doctor Who plot summaries from a yeah. little segment we like to call TLDW. TLDW. Looking forward Check to that. Check out those. Very oh, exciting. Yeah, yeah, this too. Is, Believe this you is me. Why, this is why Valiard90 and others are, are able to listen to the podcast without you having to go to uh, the two doctors and watch it all on your lonesome. No, we watch it for you. We summarize it for you. You don't even need to watch. We're assuming that you haven't seen it, in fact. So, uh, yeah, if you're just sort of casually browsing your Doctor Who podcasts and listening to us, uh, we, we are the podcast that will we'll take a random journey through Doctor Who, but also we'll bring you along for the ride. You don't have to have seen any of these stories because uh, yep. we summarize them. No need to stay away on our TARDIS. It's yeah. all good, guys. <laughs> All right, uh, we're also uh, back and alive and rising fast on TikTok. A TikTok's yeah. had, we just had a great week, our first real full week in a long time. We uploaded a bunch of videos from our Spearhead from Space podcast. A lot of good interaction. Good to know the audience still into it, still mm. into talking about it. The um, audience is still into Shirtless Doctor. Still into Shirtless Doctor. So as we talked about at the Spearhead podcast, we think it's the only shirtless scene in Doctor Who is when John Pertwee goes into that shower. In classic Doctor Who. Uh, yeah. Oh, so yeah, the classic because yeah. he's shirtless yeah. like constantly. Yeah, new, new Who. It's like, you know, or the companions are just wandering around the TARDIS going, put some clothes on, Doctor. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Pretty much. Well, I remember when I was cutting that video, I almost forgot. How could I forget? It's like in um, the Matt Smith's last episode, the time right. of the Doctor. Time he's the like doctor. naked in half the episode. It's like, mm. okay. Like, was this some kind of, like, you know how Tegan... No, sorry. It was Nissa who stripped yeah. down in her last episode with the skirt. I mean, Matt Smith was just like, "Let's the full Monty, baby. Like we're I think doing it." Was, uh, he he was filming a bald scene, wasn't he, in a movie at the time? So they, right? You know, Moffat just got carried away. The possibilities of like we can have him take his wig off, um, <laughs> and then it all just grew from there. Uh, yeah, I grew from there. Hey, oh, anyway. Hey. Um, <laughs> so anyway, there was, the there was a comment scene. on that video about the shirtless scene and it's more of a correcting comment possibly i'm not actually sure about this one so when i when we talked about it i speculated is this the only shirtless scene for the doctor in all of classic who and someone says it is ihh i believe is the handle and they said the second doctor was almost naked in the enemy of the world episode one but that's all i can recollect 
which okay interesting i i've obviously never seen it because it's a missing episode um and i i think there's a beach scene i think in the first episode Mm. so but i believe and someone let me know if i'm wrong about this that he actually has like an old school um swimming outfit you know what i mean like it's kind of like almost like a tank top with Mm. some trunks so i don't think it's full-on shirtless but someone correct me if i'm wrong well, so I think it, we might, it is, might still be that that spearhead is the first show. I, I may be uh, falling down a rabbit hole here, but I've just discovered that the Doctor Who wiki uh, has an entry on nudity. Oh, okay. It's <laughs> <laughs> a, a rabbit hole well worth falling down. So go go right ahead, Chris. Yeah. Illustrated by Jack Harkness. I mean, we're going to talk clothes. about Perry's outfit in a bit, so <laughs> might as well. Yeah, so, so for balance, we need to talk about uh, yeah. Captain Jack. Uh, stripped of his clothes by the defabricator in Bad Wolf, um, <laughs> kind of kind of necessary. Uh, but yeah, Sergeant Benton was uh, in the Time Monster. Was That's right. I remember that. Maybe Benton. Yep. Uh, Terror of the Zygons. They say that the Zygons appear without clothing in their true form. Um, hmm. Yeah, but that okay. seems to be it from the classic series. So, well, I mean, don't all, most of the aliens appear without clothes in their true form? <laughs> <laughs> Alien clothing, yeah, it's really not not yeah. that much of a thing. I'm trying to think yeah. if there is like very like if there's a non-human monster, like the pteroleptils, I think had like cloaks or something, but that was just sort of to hide that they're big lizards. <laughs> is there any like? Well, I guess Stontarans wear anyone who's humanoid kind of wears clothing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's a little bit of that. The Ice Warriors, I guess that's armor. It was very unclear early on if what was that was that their skin or whatever, but I guess it's armor. Yeah, yeah, the Daleks wear very loose-fitting clothing. <laughs> um, armor casing really Roughly. gives you room to breathe. Uh, all right, so I think we're still on record as that Spearhead's the first shirtless scene, but yeah. good to know there was a little more <laughs> skin. Maybe if we can interest earlier. the randomizer in, in nudity, it will take us through every episode compa- containing some yeah. form of nudity, and then we'll be mostly out of classic who. Is there anything with Hart? Not that I maybe we don't want to know this, but did Hartnell's doctor? <laughs> is there anything in that wiki on, on that or no? No, no, nothing. Nothing. No, nothing. No, no. All right. Every, everyone was very properly dressed, except except when they were wearing togas. We've we've been to the Romans, you know. Ian and Barbara were, you know, yeah. clearly in uh, in a state of. Uh, well then, but if you're doing that, you might as well just count Jamie. I mean, Jamie like proud. <laughs> Jamie naked in every episode. Is absolutely, as a true Scotsman, wears nothing under his kilt, uh, <laughs> and yes, is referred to in the two doctors as the one in the skirt. So, uh, yeah, uh, interesting, okay. interesting topic that I didn't expect we'd get onto here. Yeah, well, <laughs> here on our podcast about the nude doctors. Yeah. Um, it's the randomness, man. The randomizer permeates every part of this podcast. Random discussions ensue. And that's what's definitely going to happen this week as we transition to talking about what we're going to talk about. Okay, folks, I got to get this off my chest. True confessions. I've been on a beach all week. Okay, it's August. And I've just been (laughs) hanging out. And basically all I've done is swim in the ocean and watch Doctor Who for the past five days or so. So I've, I've watched the two doctors for the pod. We're going to talk about it. But ordinarily, I, you know, I'm a professional podcaster, Chris. I, I prep <laughs> notes. You know this. I, we do the notes file. We have a yep. little bit of prep. There's all this stuff. I've done none of that. Like, well, I've done like the bare, I've done basically 5% of what I usually do 
in organizing my thoughts before this thing. So I think five uh, percent of normal level of thoughts on the two doctors is entirely appropriate. <laughs> also, the fact that it was, as we'll get into, a story that was basically conceived as an excuse for a vacation. Um, right. Yeah. <laughs> some location shooting. Yeah, in, in Spain, they ended up spending a lot of it just running around uh, Andalusia and Seville. Um, so yeah, I think that's entirely appropriate. I think you know that there are other stories that maybe deserve a, a greater level of seriousness. I think being on holiday and, and watching uh, the two doctors just kind of made for each other. So yeah, I, think I mean we, they we made it on holiday. Well. We're talking about it on holiday <laughs> or just after it's, anyway. It's such an August kind of story to talk about. Yeah. Uh, it's really, it's really perfect. Much much better now than you know in the the mid middle of winter where we might actually be jealous of the actors running around and lucy mm. but anyway i i am uh, procrastinating mm -hmm. because it is you are. my turn it's my turn at the helm of tldw i can't tell you mentioned. how relieved i am on many so many levels so <laughs> i'm going to queue up <sighs> the timer so this is it guys it's tldw too long didn't watch too long doctor who and for classic series episodes ordinarily we give 30 seconds for every 25 minutes episode 25 minute episode but this yep. is season 22 we're talking about here which is the yeah. only episode of the classic series to do 45 minute episodes yeah yeah when well, nothing went right in <laughs> season 22 <laughs> uh, and this is one of the things that changed but in some countries it was broadcast as a six-parter so yes i actually think i got that in yeah. canada i think i never saw the 45 minute versions of, of most of Colin Baker's run until the DVDs came out. And this is, by by some reckonings, this is the last six-part Doctor Who story. Right. Uh, ever. That's true. That's true. Um, yeah. So, yeah, you know, if, if you if you follow the the foreign market, uh, yeah, the, the, the cliffhangers were not as great because obviously they weren't designed as cliffhangers. <laughs> uh, but anyway, we, we, we well, lot one minute per, per 45-minute episode here. So I have exactly. three whole minutes to summarize the two doctors which uh, is at least a minute more than is necessary i think <laughs> well, we'll find out we'll find out we've been tripped up by rabbit holes before uh, yeah. as, as you can tell from a random discussion on nudity um we... this one has I, i'm not uh, this one has some rabbit holes you could definitely go down oh my for God. a while like and we will in the commentary I mean, right it, is, now, it is basically Robert Holmes revealing his favorite rabbit holes to go down himself. So, yeah, <clears throat> let's see what we can do about following him. All right. The official three-minute pull-to-open summary of The Two Doctors begins in three, two, one, go. Okay, so the second Doctor and Jamie, having apparently just dropped off Victoria, are doing a mission for the Time Laws, huh? Um, at a space station uh, where the Doctor meets his old friend and famed scientist, Dastari. Uh, and the Doctor's a little concerned because Dastari, some of Dastari's scientists are getting very close to discovering the secrets of time travel, uh, which the Time Lords don't like, and the Doctor is doing the Time Lords bidding. So he uh, goes and finds Dastari and, and tries to talk him out of the time experiments, but Dastari has his own evil plot in mind, and it involves the, the Sontarans who to invade the station and shoot up a lot of people and it's um it's all about these uh these uh alien 
creatures, the uh, Andragum, and uh, there's there's a uh, evolved version that looks a lot like uh, Serverland from Blake Seven, and uh, there's there's a, the, a chef called Shokai who just wants to taste flesh, and Andragums are also cannibals, and they're really One badly uh, evolved uh, kind of species. Uh, anyway, they. Uh, they capture the doctor and they they torture the doctor apparently and and Jamie uh, gets uh, completely uh, uh, traumatized by this. Meanwhile, the sixth Doctor and Perry, having come from a fishing vacation, appear on the same space station because they're worried that uh, the the second Doctor uh, appears to be vanishing and therefore out of the Doctor's timeline. So he's feeling weak and he collapses. Um, but eventually, they all yeah, they all go to Spain. They all go to Andalusia for no apparent reason. Um, but they they do get this uh, this old woman in a, in a villa there, and uh, um, the uh, the serverland creature basically uh, invades her mind and and figures stuff out. And they're they're trying to get the secret of time travel out of the second Doctor, uh, but no dice. Um, and the Sontarans are running around shooting things. And the sixth Doctor uh, teams up with a local restaurant owner who's moth hunting. And um, and he and his fiance are, are just in the area, and they they basically try to uh, invade the villa, and there's a lot of shenanigans. Everyone's running around, and and the two doctors finally get together, um, but they they kind of fool uh, Dastari and the Andragum and the Sontarans into uh, using a non-working time machine, and uh, the Sontarans get blown up, I think, and and. A bunch of stuff happens. Minutes, the second, 30. the second Doctor is briefly transformed into an Andragum, uh, goes with uh, Shockeye the chef to a local eatery, runs up a massive bill, doesn't pay for it, stabs the restaurant owner that we met earlier, um, and uh, but then everything's all right in the end because the Sixth Doctor has fooled them and they they go off in their own separate Tardises right there at the end, and the Sixth Doctor decides to become a vegetarian apparently, unless maybe he's just joking about that. And it's just wrong. And time. <laughs> nice. Ended right on the vegetarian note. Yeah, that was. Perfect. Um, I mean, do you think I, I sort of skipped over a lot of the stuff? I, I skipped over them trying to eat Perry, which was one of the cliffhangers. Yeah, uh, that. Eat Perry skipped over him trying to eat Jamie. Basically, it's a very heavy handed metaphor for vegetarianism uh, or explaining vegetarianism. That's like, yeah. What if some of your favorite people were food? Huh? Huh? Um, <laughs> I guess is that what he's is that is Bob Holmes a vegetarian? I guess. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Is that, that the whole the, idea? That was the whole idea. Yeah, yeah. So, so a little bit on the background mm. of uh, of the two doctors. Um, it was so we're we're about what a year or two after um, the five doctors. Mm-hmm. Right, in which Hold on, let me Patrick... pour myself a drink. Sorry, I already have. Yeah, I just want please. to confess. We're late in the day here for the taping, so please, pizza on the wine. I'm on the coffee. Yep. That's where you know, never the twain shall meet. Uh, also, a quote from the two doctors. Cheers, um, listeners. <laughs> cheers, everybody. Uh, yeah, definitely worth getting drunk for this one, people. If you ever have to watch <laughs> the two doctors, get some, get yourself some good Spanish wine, some yeah. good roja, and uh, you know. Let yourself to be transported to the land of flamenco guitars, which provide most of the soundtrack. Um, but yeah, so it was after the five doctors, Patrick Troughton was kind of a breakout star from that. Like he, mm. he has a pretty amazing run in, in the five doctors of just like, 
he's he's the one that stands out other other than Peter Davison, right? Um, well, I also think he was kind of shy about mm. Doctor Who. Went, like I think he went to a couple of con- I think he went to a convention around the same time. Yeah, in either the late seventies or the early eighties, and he was a little scared about the reaction because he he honestly didn't really remember much about it. He was like, but of course, like everyone was like super thrilled that he was there. Mm. Mm. he's i mean he's just you know he's patrick Troughton, and yeah. he goes on the five doctors and he's one of the best things about that episode mm. and you know of course you know it's like hey yeah if you have an opportunity to bring him back on the show again you do Why it. wouldn't you yeah <laughs> yeah uh, apparently uh that there were other suggested names for this uh something like the the androgam connection or something right um but yeah, Bob Holmes really wanted to... I mean, Bob Holmes was untouchable at this stage. He was the grand mm. old man of Doctor Who. He could write about anything he wanted, and vegetarianism was a cause close to his heart. Um, but also, John Nathan Turner, producer of Doctor Who, was in the market for a nice vacation. And right. uh, he thought, why not New Orleans? Um mm which was the initial plan for where to set the two doctors, the story that became the two doctors. Okay. And Holmes wrote a whole script on that basis, uh, which is why the androgams are called androgams because it's an, uh, it is uh, an anagram of gourmand. Okay. So he, he, you know, thought, well, what is specifically <laughs> New Orleansy about New Orleans, right? Well, for many people, it's the food. So he's like, ah, food, here's my chance to, you know, impart my thoughts on vegetarianism to a young and impressionable audience, uh, which, you know, fair, fair enough, fair enough. Um, <laughs> you know, it was, a, it was a big deal in the mid 80s. You know, everyone was doing it. We've actually just been to uh, the Mark of the Rani, right? With uh, Kate O'Mara was a, a famous vegetarian, um, mm. you know, which which was the episode after this. So it was like, it was just in the air. It was everywhere. You no, know, it's funny, weird timing. Like, I, mm-hmm. I listen as longtime listeners might. No, I listen to the big Finnish audios yeah. sort of at a, at a cadence, like when I, you know, I, I like to listen to it when I'm exercising or doing whatever. And there was an episode I just listened to. Oh God, what was it? It was the fifth doctor and Perry. Mm. And it was the first one with Aramem and she sort of travels with them for a bit. But mm. there is a bit where they're served Egyptian cuisine in ancient Egypt. And I forget mm. exactly what the dish is, but, um, I think Perry reveals that she's a vegetarian or no, I could be getting this wrong, but it it is basically the companion wants to eat vegetarian. The doctor. Yeah. No, I think it is actually, I think it is. Perry says she's a vegetarian. The doctor just goes with it as huh. a cultural thing, as, as a cultural respect. Interesting. And um, obviously it's pre two doctors. So you could argue, yeah. you know, maybe he's not vegetarian yet. Assuming you right. take him seriously. But it is, I don't know, you could argue it. maybe it's the big finishes trying to contradict this a little bit. No, no, yeah. I mean, well, you know, it wouldn't be big finish if it didn't contradict something. Yeah. Or indeed, it wouldn't be who canon if it didn't contradict something. Uh, interesting you should mention the fifth Doctor, because there's another vegetarianism connection. Because, of course, Peter Davison played the dish of the day in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Mm, Have right. you seen that? It is, uh, yeah. It's fantastic. He plays a beast who wants to be eaten. Which is, you know, a solution to the ethical problem of eating meat, right? Breed, breed a beast who will come to your table, talk about how <laughs> how he's been fattening up his haunches, uh, and that was Peter kind Jameson. of the food solution. You yeah. could say, yeah, you know, Wonderful. they want to be slaves. They don't <laughs> exactly. have any meaning. What exactly? What's okay. the problem? 
Um, yeah, and Peter Davison doing this in front of his uh, in front of his wife Sandra Dixon, um, <laughs> who was also in Hitchhikers. So you know, fascinating Hoovian connection there. But that was a very famous scene, and that was five years earlier. So yeah, vegetarianism very much in the air, not just in British culture. Well, it's not the only fiction. theme of this. Yeah. show i feel it like there's not. all the stuff with chasini and shock yeah. and Tastari, and they're talking about you know yeah. altering her so that her nature that is her nature really changed from being yeah. this andrigum which i guess what shock is representative of what they're normally like yeah. has she achieved a higher state of being and there's a lot to unpack there yeah, yeah. Um, Chasini, by the oh, way, right, is anyway. the uh, is the Servalan lookalike because, of course, played by Jacqueline Pierce, um, uh, who stepped in at the last minute. She wasn't supposed to be the the actress playing Chasini, which is why she basically does play Servalan from Blake Seven. If you've ever if you've never seen it, it's basically that she's in mm, that same interesting. role. Um, Do you think it's off exactly in terms of what the script calls for? Mm, no, I mean she's sort of power power mad, power hungry. Uh, right. you know, superior being type, so that that fits Servalan. But um, she feels like she's superior, or I guess I don't know. She, you kind of like wonder what the hell this star is even doing, right? Like, yeah. I mean, I guess he's trying to prove to himself he can change the nature of something, and they can become, uh, you know, this functioning member of whatever society. There's a, there's a, a lot of problems with this. I feel like because it's like yeah. the here's the thing, like. Uh, you could you could argue there's a sort of racist overtones, and uh, you, we could we could talk about that if you want to. I honestly don't want to, don't feel like that is either the point or the appropriate thing to infer from all this. Yeah, I I feel like there's a bigger sort of societal and science point this is trying to make, yeah. and it's more along the lines of Planet of the Apes. You know, mm. like you have these primates. You know, like everyone knows Planet of the Apes. They get enhanced right. and. and it's all about um, the switch in perspective. Yeah. If you look at us from the outside, we we seem to be, you know, quite barbaric. And, and I'll be, ways. I'll confess, I've, I have not seen any of the new Planet of the Apes movies other than um, the Mark Wahlberg one, which was right. years and years ago. But <laughs> I do feel like the point of like, well, you can enhance an ape, but it's still an ape and will be driven by whatever instincts Mother Nature has uh, deemed, you know, basically what whatever their basic instincts are, which I think, it might be correct. It might not be, but I, I think that's kind of where this this is is trying to go. Yeah. The problem is, Shockeye is clearly this sentient thinking person. Yeah, he's, I, I he's, don't. He's quite evolved. He's, yeah, he's sort of, I, uh, you know. He, so what if he's focused on food? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he, a little uh, bit. I, I, I'm yeah. a, so I'm a little. You know, I, I actually don't mind. The the sci-fi thinking about it, I just don't think it's all that sophisticated here. You know yeah. what I mean? Like there is, I think Star Trek honestly does this a little better because again, we're not talking about like racism is like two people of the same species. There's no discernible relevant difference really, other than maybe something cosmetic. Uh, I'm kind of oversimplifying here, blah blah blah, but mm -hmm. you know what I mean. Whereas you species different species who are sentient which is only happens in sci-fi obviously but you get something mm -hmm. like the vulcans mm -hmm. and the humans in star trek and it's it's a slightly different thing when there are clearly like the traits are like you know that one might be more intelligent or in the case of vulcan stronger physically right. stronger like there are clear differences that are like you just can't Right away, you know. Yeah, like, and in the case and so, of the Andrigum, the difference is that they look Scottish. 
they they have big orange uh, eyebrows and and uh, sort of sort of a kilt offense yeah and kind of offensive boils on their faces like that's that's Mm. the level of commentary that we're at here yeah and (laughs) it's it's or is it a cutlass i don't know i can't remember my sports (laughs) yeah scimitar maybe but he he does like to lop things off with a giant sword does does old shock eye um but yeah it's sort of interesting because of course we've got jamie in there right so we've got you know, we've got uh, a true Scotsman and then a guy who sort of looks like a Scotsman, which I think was kind of the point. It's like, hey, you know, this this guy is not so different from you and he's a cannibal, you know. Um, you know, like, there's not that much of a racial distinction between you and him, except for big fuzzy orange eyebrows. So that's kind of interesting. But just to, to, to finish the story of how this got made, um, Robert Holmes wrote this whole script uh, that was full of the differences between American English and British English, right? That was what okay. part, of, part of the snappy dialogue that Holmes is known for dealt with a lot of that. So Fewer a lot of those use. jokes were just left on the cutting room floor, right? When the BBC said, no, you can't go to New Orleans, choose somewhere uh, closer. Oh, okay. Yeah. It was going to be Venice for a while, which would have been interesting. And then, and then they just end up in Seville, and and this is actually the last major location shoot of the uh, the classic series, the, the the last location shoot abroad. Oh yeah, inside the Let UK. Think of it, and it's kind of because of this that they kind of messed it up really badly. A lot of stuff was lost in transit. They had to remake some wigs at the last minute. Like it was a complete shit show and the mm. you know the you know the restaurant owner and uh and and his wife when they go moth hunting um they there was a whole scene there where they had to refilm it at incredible expense because they were told there was like a, a hair in the gate or something uh or you know something on the film oh, weird. crack in the lens whatever and they uh. get back to london and like oh the original scene was fine like we just reshot it at, at massive expense for no reason so yeah after that doctor who was told no foreign location shoots by the way this was also when the two doctors came out that was also the week that news leaked that doctor who was being put on quote-unquote hiatus mm, technically yeah. it was being cancelled but jnt managed to save it by perpetuating this hiatus myth so yeah that was the background it is like a lot of classic Who stories we've gone to, it's kind of a mess because mm. there was a kind of a game of telephone being played and scripts were being changed all over the place, uh, you know. And I, I think a lot of Bob Holmes's best stuff was was probably left on the cutting room floor. I know you and I would, would love to chat about a version of The Two Doctors that kind of uses the difference in types of English as its, you know, right. uh, sort of comedic anchor. Uh, I mean that that there's so much potential there. I would love to see that, but totally we never will. Yeah, I'd love to see the writer's cut. I guess in this case, yeah, yeah, uh, or maybe some alternate novelization. I don't know. Maybe there's a uh, yeah. It'd probably be a novel or something. But, but uh, some interesting work from the um, the design people here. Did you notice a Blade Runner vibe to this? <laughs> Because Distori, really, to be Distori honest, oh, yeah, looks Distori very much bit. like Terrell, right? Okay. And uh, the wig that they put Jacqueline Pierce in uh, for um, uh, Chessine. Okay. Now Chessine that you mention it, looks that, exactly okay. like like Rachel, right? From from Blade Runner, the uh, the replicant woman. Um, so 
you know. And is this your theory? No, no. It's a, a number of fans have mentioned this connection. It's like Blade Runner was definitely bigger in the UK than it was in the US. The original movie, that is. Uh, it kind of didn't make much of a splash here when it came out of the UK. It was a huge hit. So it makes sense that like three years later, the kind of the look and the feel kind of filters down. Uh, and Dostari is a bit of a Tyrell, right? I mean, he's a bit of a, mm. he's kind of Machiavellian. and uh, Well, and, and he is murdered by her in the end. Yeah, yeah. Which is, you know, that's very apt. Yeah, um, exactly. you kind of exactly. you kind of see that coming, like you, you kind of know that's where the script's going. Yeah, uh, if you know how stories like this go at all, right? Like, eventually he's going to be murdered by his own creation. That's just exactly. kind of all. It's almost an obligation by at these things. In fact, good <laughs> good advice: never create anything. Yeah, no, um, I think <laughs> it's not, you know never never. A... Well, he, he falls in love with her, right? That's the problem. He wants Chasini mm. to rule the universe. That's why he's you know, uh, uplifted her from being an androgram into being more human-like, which is, the, you know, that's definitely the racist aspect. Like, it, it's just, androgram's are unredeemable, you know, but we've uplifted you, so you're fine. Um, yeah. But then, and then you have the Sontarans. Now, what what did you think of the Sontaran presence in this? And do you think Utterly they needed to be... Utterly extraneous. Yes. Utterly extraneous. <laughs> I thought the Sontarans, like, I don't hate Stike. I think, you know, he's fine, and it's just... But it is paint by numbers, double crossing bad guy stuff he's doing in terms of his lines and everything. Um, we've also seen this and in a better way, in that the Sontarans want time travel and they want to take on the Time Lords or mm. screw the Time Lords. I mean, that was all done in the invasion of time, of course. Right. And here this is that it's not even that light. It's that it's the idea of that, but nothing more. Right. And so you know, you never see them, their their actual assault on the space station. That's never seen. You just see the after effects of it. You see yeah. their ball ships, which is a nice little consistent thing. Oh, yeah, they have ball ships. That's cool. Um, but then they, they just kind of come and sort of help. They're kind of the hired thugs of yeah. Dostari and Chassini. And they end up screwing themselves, of course, because the doctor fools them. But they're, they're totally they're played kind of for there. suckers yeah. by everyone in this. Like, huh. Um, and it really is, may, maybe this is the beginnings of the Sontarans as more of a comedic species, you know, which right. way down the line will lead us to Strax, uh, yeah. who is not that far from Stike, right? Uh, as yeah. name, but, but Stike has, has a little bit of a Straxian thing going on, doesn't he? He's kind of made to look a fool quite a few yeah. times. Yeah, it's, it's too bad. It, <laughs> it's kind of like in Star Trek where silence has lease, I think was the name of the episode. No, maybe I've got, I got that wrong. Whatever the one with the Ferengi, the first yeah. one with the Ferengi. Yeah. And they tried to make them serious. Then they would screw it. We're just going to go funny. Yeah. This might be that turning point for the Sontarans, although it's not fully because obviously poison sky, Sontaran stratagem, they, they made them a little more serious. So I don't think does Dr. Who even need that. Do we need a funny, I guess we have uh, um, things like the little, who are they? The Pillsbury Doughboy creatures and stuff. Oh like yeah, that. Like, the, uh, they can, you can always make up a funny race, but I don't yeah, know. Like Aliens of London, World War Three. You know the farting aliens. Um, yeah, that's true. They they do kind of need that, and it's the Slovene. The Slovene family. Slovene. Yes. Family. Slovene. Raxacorica I believe. 
I mean, but, there's definitely room for that. You know, comedy, comedy, science fiction species, I think, has has a fine lineage. But yeah, the, the Centaurans is just sort of that. I can't even honestly remember when they're truly defeated. I, I, I there's a couple things that happen in episode three. I think Stike does he try to take the time machine for a spin and kill himself? Is that what happens, or Something is that like what that? happens with Chassini later? Because I know that happens to Chassini, but they just sort of stop and then. Oh. There's one thing I noticed, like there's a big explosion, which seems to imply that's the Santaran ship exploding. But then why is the house still there? Yeah, it's it's an explosion behind the house. Uh, which okay. A lot of the explosions don't look really good in this because, once again, Spanish customs impounded all of the explosives they were trying to bring in. And so they had to uh, they had to improvise using local materials, including gunpowder. I think they might have called someone about that before they went. <laughs> You, we bring in, you know, do we have the right <laughs> stuff? Can we come it's, in, guys? My working theory is that most of Classic Who, um, especially late 70s, early 80s, basically produced by drunk people. I mean, you know, <laughs> Tom Baker sort of led the pack with his four pints at lunchtime. But I think everyone mm. was like some some level of blitzed uh, who was working yeah, on Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the question. I want to, I want to you know, we, we like a pull to open to, to not criticize uh our stories too much uh we like to look for the the light and the good there is light there is a lot of light and the the light in this i think is patrick troughton oh yeah Um, going right there too yeah he's he's amazing at everything especially episode one episode one i i think is one one. of the best episodes yeah the Uh, fact that we open on him and we spend so much time on him that it's almost like wait a second have we just reverted you know, I mean, any time you bring in a previous doctor to start, then you have to sort of do something, right, to signal this is not the current doctor. I love how they did it in Twice Upon a Time, where they open right. with that the the redone scene from the Tenth Planet, and they're like, previously on Doctor Who, Doctor Dot, eight hundred forty six episodes ago, or whatever it is, uh, <laughs> which I think is yeah. just a, just a great way. Uh, very hilarious way of punctuating. But here, you they, they start off in black and white, which is a nice homage. Mm-hmm. But great. Patrick Troughton is using Peter Davison's TARDIS. Right. Yeah. Because they it, couldn't find yeah. anything older. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it is what it is, right? You do what you can. Yeah. I think, And it's fine because the, the other console is, is quite a bit different. I mean, it's not as different as the stuff in New, but it is... You definitely got like, oh, interesting. And I think... In fans' minds, you kind of like, you might even shift in your head because you probably weren't even noticing. Mm. Like, at, at hardcore fans, even yeah. then, even then, hardcore fans would probably have a hard time remembering without, you yeah. know, videotape. And, yeah, and, who, who remembers that the doctor had his monitor back then in the 60s on kind of a swing out arm right. Right? instead of the, the projector screen? That uh, that Troughton has here, yeah, but I think so the problem awful. is, and I'm, I'm wondering what you think of this. Um, does does he outshine Colin Baker too much, especially with that fantastic introduction of Episode One? He does, and um, he totally does. I, I, is it is it a problem at this point? I don't know. I think it's a problem later on, but then again, he's not as commanding later on. But that Episode One, I mean, all the stuff with Troughton and or, or Second Doctor and Dastari. Like, all that's great. It's a great cerebral intellectual discussion. There's a lot revealed there about philosophy, about the politics of the cosmos and the Time Lord's role in it. 
Yeah, and the it's, fact that it's the Doctor amazing. had been sent there before to represent right. the Time Lords, which is interesting. So, so that's all good. Um, Colin Baker. It's also like Colin Baker's first season still, and again, he only yeah. had two seasons, but it is like he's really still figuring himself out, and he's he's kind of almost creating his own tricks here. I mean, he's he's sort of falling back. This is a thing Colin Baker does in the first season a lot. He's got this sort mm-hmm. of "woe is me." I have the burden of, you know, being a time lord on me, but it doesn't work in the way, say that, uh, um, Tom Baker did it in like yeah. Pyramids of Mars and stuff, where you kind of yeah. take him so like I can't take Colin Baker seriously when he's like, oh, the the ripples of the time stream will reach me. I've been killed in my second incarnation. You know, uh, the it's mm. going to take a, some a few centuries for it to like like you can't like you just. Dude, you're just a melodramatic jerk. Like, a, yeah. why? I don't like. Even though I think he's trying to play it differently, he he his performance and his doctor kind of gets in the way of that. Um, yeah, he just he comes across as sort of insufferably arrogant. I mean, the, the sixth doctor they they end the sixth doctor by playing to his strengths by putting him on trial. Right, yeah. Colin Baker was a barrister in a former life. He he has that intonation, that sort of loyally uh, side to him. And, uh, you know, you, you sort of, you should play to those strengths, but I guess they didn't know they were his strengths there. To, to my mind, the problem is not so much comparing Troughton and Baker as it is comparing Jamie and Perry mm. as companions. Because Jamie is, you know, although he's playing the traditional uh, companion role of being naive and not understanding things, uh, right. you know, being the hairy Scotsman, um Perry is just kind of just complaining about everything. And this is what we have seen throughout our Perry encounters, not just the, the slipping accent, poor Nicola Bryant. Um, yeah. And the, the fact that she uses chips to mean what an American would call fries with paella. Right. Um, right. But well, also the fact that, also that she she's basically just... in a bikini the whole time. I mean, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> it's like fair skittering enough. around on those heels as per usual. Well, they're time. in Spain for a good chunk of it. Mm-hmm. So it is like, okay, fair enough. The doctor, even the sixth doctor takes off his coat for, for most of it. And he's in his, uh, his vest and he unbuttons his, his shirt. I mean, it's hot. I yes. Mean, it's... I like, I like it when it's there appropriately, like, <laughs> you know, disrobing. I was just on the beach. Like, I'm not going to be, you know, wearing my frock coat or whatever. He does have a special Spanish waistcoat, does Colin Baker, uh, mm. Colin Baker's doctor, which he seems to have changed into in quite a hurry in the TARDIS. But yeah, he, he brings himself down to just two layers, that bit closer to nudity. Yeah, it's too bad. Like Perry, I don't even know. I'd have to, like, we'll eventually get to her entire run. I don't know if she ever has a really good memorable line, but I will say Jamie has a bunch in this one, right? Like, yeah. and the one I like a lot is, <laughs> I, still remember, I still remembered it to this day where the, the doctor says something like, there's a conspiracy. What kind? And Perry's like, what kind of conspiracy? And Jamie's like, oh, a plot. Yeah, <laughs> uh, he actually means a plot. Yeah, he's, he's Jamie-splaining, which I think is just, just a wonderful thing for Jamie I mean, to do. Because I just thought, he, it was, yeah. I love that Hilarious Jamie thinks he's a lot smarter than he is. Uh, but Fraser Hines, he's just so adorable. You can't, yeah, he just, uh, just can't not love him. Knows that character in and out. I mean, he just sort of falls right back into it. By yeah. the way, okay, interesting thing. I want to get into a bit of a Doctor Who nerdy thing quickly, if sure. you don't mind. Oh, uh, never. So... Okay. 
there's the bit at the beginning. So so this is the episode, and this is – I'm doing a full transition, so I hope you've said all you wanted to say about Perry and Jamie comparing them. <laughs> yeah, but there's the full, not much. The full transition here is that there. this is the episode where people latch on and say, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. The Doctor and Jamie are on a mission with the Time Lords – but wait a minute, the War Games was apparently the first time the Doctor had had any contact with the Time Lords. And the first you know, time Jamie had heard of them. Right. And so mm. how how could the, this does not fit anywhere into the second Doctor's timeline, even though they talk about like they left Victoria somewhere mm. and they're going to go back for her. So it seems like Robert Holmes is sort of trying to place it somewhere in the middle of Troughton's run. Right. But it, it there's no way it works. It doesn't work. So people have latched onto this like, oh, well, we never actually see Patrick Troughton regenerate in the war games. Right. Maybe Which we talked comes. about in Spearhead from Space. It's the only missing right? regeneration. Yeah, Totally. And maybe there is a, th- th- this, this fueled speculation, is there a secret season? Is there a season 6B, 6B yeah. that happens so that instead of regenerating him right away, he becomes an agent for the Time Lords. He does some missions for them. Maybe they even bring back some companions because he's more effective with companions. Mm. So he does that. And then after a while, the Time Lords, the High Council shuts that down and he begins his exile. Kind of a cool theory. I like it. Here's the thing. I don't, Mm -hmm. I I don't, this is my problem is it's not Occam's razor. Okay. So you, you clear, like if you really look at this and see what Robert Holmes intended and maybe it was fading memory Mm. And totally understandable at the time, and people weren't, you know, writing chronologies and right. Uh, you couldn't just consult the internet. Yeah, yeah. It was just he threw it in, threw in a throwaway line about um, Victoria. But wouldn't it? Isn't the Occam's Razor version of this that the Time Lords did this and then erased their memories? Yeah, of it. Because we've seen this a lot. There's a lot of memory erasing stuff that goes on. I mean, even the doctor, him, him or herself, clearly has had their memory erased many, many times. Exactly. There's the whole worm thing with, uh, you know, the Matt Smith doctor, and then there was the, you know, the end. The twelfth doctor forgets Clara. <clears throat> so yeah. there's you could have easily located the, the time lords, or not just the not the time lords specifically, but like the CIA. Yes, the gets Celestial them. Intervention yeah. Agency. Goes to the um, doctor first, gets them to do this. At the end of whatever he does for them, erases his memory, and mm-hmm. he's back on his way. Isn't, isn't, isn't that, that the better theory? That, that is definitely the more Occam's Razor uh, compliant theory, um, especially in... I mean, this is the first time I've looked back at the two doctors through the lens of the timeless child, uh, mm, in right. which we know that the doctors had his or her memory erased multiple times now has been through multiple sets of regenerations is basically being gaslit by the time Lords each time. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. Who's so, this guy? We talked about that oh, deadly assassin. Oh, exactly. It's, it's like, box. it's kind of like it's Gallifrey's the Truman show <laughs> basically. And, and the doctor is Truman, you know, so I can totally buy now post timeless child. That this is, you know, the Time Lords just experimenting with their memory erasing. Oh, by the way, we've got to stop the, uh, it's on my to-do list. Uh, could we just uh, send one to stop the uh, this space station developing time travel? Uh, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll right. send the Doctor. He's only half regenerated anyway. Uh, he's got, <laughs> he's, he's, he's half regenerated. He's got gray hair now. So 
uh, we'll just use that fact. He's looking significantly older. Um, yeah, couldn't it? Just... Was it didn't just for men exist back then? Like, why didn't they? <laughs> I, I think the story is that, that Patrick Trenton was just too big of a star, and he yeah. was like, "Dye my hair? Why would I do that? You know, I have perfectly normal black hair, just like I did in the '60s. What are you talking about?" Um, <laughs> and they were just like, "Okay." You couldn't really just fix it in post back then. Yeah, so. you couldn't. Um, but it's interesting. I, so I recently watched the finale of Better Call Saul, which is a show that has had that problem over mm. the years, right? It's supposed to be a prequel to Breaking Bad, but all of the Breaking Bad characters look older than they did in Breaking right. Bad, even though it's years earlier. So I sort of kind of have become used to adjusting the ages yeah. of characters in my head. I mean, that's it's very much what I was doing with two doctors. Ultimately the, all this stuff, it's a bit silly, right? It's like me complaining mm. about how the Cybermen look different. Like yeah. you put it on <laughs> what you can put on and you know, the audience just sort of, you kind of have to trust them to come halfway. And if you can do something fun within the show to mm. shine a lot, like create something like a season six B or some reason for it, yeah. all the better for you or why the Klingons look different, blah, blah, blah. Great. Yeah, Go ahead we, and do that. But love you don't need count. to. You no. really don't need to. I mean, we're going to like, you know, there's a thing I remember when I was very briefly <laughs> an actor in <laughs> senior year high school. Yeah. You know, we uh, we worried once about switching the set and there were there was more light on the set in between scenes than there was normally. And like, oh, they're going to see this stuff that people don't see. It's like, the audiences don't care. You know, like they they get it. They they they're there for the story. They're not gonna give you a thumbs down because you moved some stuff in between the two yeah. acts. It's yeah, fine. I mean, stuff moves so fast. You've really got to just pay attention on a meta level. I mean, you know, yeah. it's this this old scriptwriter trick of like always mention something twice in a story if you want the audience to actually pay attention to it. Because mm -hmm. once is too much, it'll just fly by. They'll miss it. They they won't understand the MacGuffin, right? You have to have two different characters explain the same MacGuffin twice, right? And shoehorn that into the script there somehow. Here's the th okay. So we, we've talked. Oh, about I heard Chris that you have to explain MacGuffins twice, or people <laughs> won't understand yeah. that what it is, right? You know what helps? If it, it, I'm sure it helps even more if you explain MacGuffins three times. Sure. Uh, yeah. Um, I wanted to get to an area where I think we are probably going to differ, um, <laughs> which is speaking of the second doctor. Love this. I absolutely loved the final episode where the second doctor gets androgummed. Uh, he gets his, and, and I didn't love it at the time. I will, I will point out that at the time I was a, you know, humorless pre-teenage, um, Doctor Who fan and was like, "Why? Th this is just stupid." They're giving the Doctor orange eyebrows and, and a top hat and, and a top hat, and they're making him really interested in food and all of this. I watched it again, and I just like after slogging through the rest of the two Doctors, which is kind of a slog, kind of sags in the middle. Um, to to see them just sort of going off with such a gay abandon in their top hats into Seville. And just chattering excitedly about uh, the food that they're going to eat. And uh, Patrick Troughton has such great line readings on all of these, you know, talks about blood sausage and brandy sauce and all of this. <laughs> and changes his voice. It gets really deeper when he gets androgrammed. Um But I love those scenes. It kind of, 
I don't know. It made, me, it made me think a little bit of like Wind in the Willows. Like I got a Toad of Toad Hall vibe from, you know, just the, the sheer utter delight that they took in food. You know, even though that delight was motivated by, you know, the, the desire to eat creatures uh, mm-hmm. such as humans. Um, I, I didn't care. It was just so much fun that I feel the story needed at that point. Here's the thing. I see where you're going with that. I actually don't think it's that much fun. And I don't think it's fun enough to justify what it does. Because <laughs> I do think it's just sort of there and it's this weird thing they do. But written better, written with more humor. Um, if you actually maybe saw them like in a almost like rocket, <laughs> like in Rocket Robin Hood, they would have Friar Tuck eat something and throw it yeah. over his shoulder. Like if they were doing things like that in a very kind of crazy way, like I think I would have been more along for the ride. Yeah, props definitely a, needed the chicken legs. Yeah, yeah or yeah, or even just a completely empty chicken bone thing, like something yeah. absurdly big. And, you know, just do tons of that stuff. That would have been great. But they just kind of, you just hear about it, you know, like, yeah. oh, they ordered all this stuff and they ate it. And there's, you know, not even much of a mess, honestly. So I... I I think it, it, it was it kind of an, a, a decent idea for a comedic scene, and Patrick Troughton yeah. does deliver 100%. But it's just like, eh, whatever, guys, I guess. It's kind of fun. Yeah. I mean, idea, it, it it's just, the idea of fun versus actual you, you, fun. You're absolutely right that they should, they were kind of asleep at the wheel when time is supposed to have passed, but we cut back to their table and they've still got the j- same giant half a pork pie sitting mm. there. Yeah. Like, oh, this this is confusing. It looks like no time has passed at all, and they haven't actually eaten all this stuff. I mean, this um, sounds like another thing. Like the food was caught in customs, guys, along with the explosives or yeah. something. Like they just didn't go all the <laughs> way with it. I think because again, they, they did this while they were drunk, apparently, and no one ordered the food or thought like, let's let's do this. Let's if we're going to have a crazy food scene. Let's have a crazy food scene. Like we're a TV yeah, show. Yeah. We're Doctor Who. Come on, yeah. Let's get all the so, food so- in the here. The the restaurant scene is also controversial because uh, Oscar, who's the same guy who hunted the moths, uh, gets stabbed. And right. by the way, Oscar, Oscar is, you know, the rumor is that it was sort of like, this is what Robert Holmes thought of the sixth doctor. Was, <laughs> that's why he put the character of Oscar him? in there. That, no, that he would just, yeah, that, that you, you want to stab him, I guess. But also that he's just sort of preening and kind of, to use a non-PC word from the 80s, Ponzi, um, mm. you know, got that kind of... So Robert I, Holmes wrote it actually Oscar does like use he the word. the sixth doctor was? Is that what it was? Yeah, so he, he does actually use the word. Uh, again, you know, uh, we, this is the 80s. I guess we can get away with it. He uses the word defeat. Oh. Uh, to describe the sort of the dumbing down of the races or something. There's some mention of like, oh, humans that. have become a feat or something like that. Uh, it's, it's kind of a bit icky. Watch it again through, through modern eyes. Um, Wait a minute. Who said, who says a feat? Is it Oscar? I, I uh, no, it's, it, it is said of, of the humans, I think. Uh, oh. Let's see if I can find it here, but. Oh, it's you know, Discovery. It, it's early on. Doctor, our races have become tired and effete. Yes. Our seed is thin. Interesting. Yeah, so it's okay. Bob Holmes getting a little eugenics-y with it. Yeah, um, well, Discovery is, certainly. But yeah. I, I that, that honestly, this, this line, I mean, I was so basking in all the stuff they were saying, but this one 
specific one got by me and it's actually pretty good in terms of like getting a little bit of Distari's motivation here, which I think yeah, a lot of people yeah. would sympathize with. Honestly, you could, I don't want to get too political, but I mean, you could argue a lot of supporters of, shall we say, strong arm politicians who yeah. want, you know, this back to uh, strength and we've lost something. I mean, it's not, it's not an uncommon yeah, attitude. It's definitely... Like, oh, we're a little too whatever, whatever, pick your adjective of uh uh, just weak and uh, indecisive, definitely, definitely a relic of the homophobic politics of the um, of the twentieth century. Uh, mm, overall, I guess. Yeah. Um, well, as a really, but, it's not really a slur though. A feat is mm. just kind of like your kind of timid, passive. Yeah. Because um, I remember, like, the Sixth Doctor actually uses that adjective to describe his previous self in the oh, Twin Dilemma, I believe. Huh. Yeah. Yes. Affected, over refined, and ineffectual. But I remember, I remember Perry goes, "You were sweet," and he goes, "Sweet, effete." You know, that's basically what he mm. says. That's so the sixth doctor's almost dismissive of the fifth. Um, yeah, I, I mean, don't know. It, it is a synonym for degenerate, which has its own history. But but anyway, yeah. no uh, one says effete, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Except the story. Anyway, the point is that. Oscar is murdered, right, in in yes. his own restaurant, and there doesn't seem to be any point to it. Also, by the way, I don't know if you spotted spotted the the bag of blood that he's so obviously wearing under his shirt. Um, oh, so I guess maybe he's. Oh, you ruined it even more. No, I never saw that. <laughs> but it is silly. The, the The murder is dumb. Like, I mean, it's yeah. it's extraneous. Again, like a lot of things in this story. Like, let's murder this guy. Um, just to kind of like, I don't hate it because it was like, let's let the villains be villains. But what, um, Oscar was, he never, he, he never quite becomes the, like the, a character in the story, honestly, <laughs> like he's kind of there mm -hmm. and he's sort of helping out a bit. You kind of can't help but like him, uh, for, for whatever reason, he's just kind of the, the, the random dude who stumbled on a doctor who episode and. It's kind of like, all right, I'll I'll do what I can, and he's like, oh wait, I got to go back to my job, I guess. But, hmm. um, you know, he dies, and you're like, you don't feel much either way. Like, oh, should I be sad here? Mm -hmm. Should I be angry with Shock Eye and the villains? Uh, I'm just not and, feeling much. And we're much. also sort of, as as the as an audience, you're sort of wondering, wait a minute, is that the same guy? Hmm. Right, because we've only seen him right? as a moth hunter to this point, and he's mentioned yeah, exactly. briefly that uh you know that he's also running a restaurant in town but then when you see him in his full mater d outfit you're like wait a second you know and we got so many sort of double roles in this we got the androgum doctor right there we're like is this his brother is it is it the same dude like they look so different in the film scene and then in the the restaurant scene by the way one of my favorite facts about the two doctors they were forbidden from sunbathing uh, oh because yeah, they, <laughs> because they filmed, they to. did all the Andalusian scenes first, and then you know for continuity's sake, you can't come into the studio with a tan and then film scenes that were before that, right? Oh, so it's better for everyone's skin. Have so. yeah. <laughs> you just been on the beach for a while? I can attest to that yeah. for sure. And it's you do sort of need to do that with with Brits because Brits are you know the number one uh, kind of uh, you know. Uh, country for people who will just go out and get massive sunburns huh. um, i'm kind of reminded you know, of mad 
Mad Dogs of and Pirates of the Caribbean. Speaking of Brits and getting sun mm-hmm. when they shouldn't, it was Kira Knightley. Her skin mm-hmm. tone uh, is all over the place in the original Pirates of the Caribbean movie because huh. I think she ignored the same instructions <laughs> from <laughs> whatever. Good for her. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. So, okay, one one more Second Doctor thing, and then I'll be done in the Second Doctor. Um, I, I know you you wondered this, Pete, as well, but it seems that the default mode from the three Doctors and from the five Doctors. Uh, is the the doctors' regenerations bicker, right? Uh, amongst themselves, and no one does that better than Troughton. Like his yeah. his his bickering chemistry with Pertwee is just it's you know it's one of the greatest things about yeah. Well, that that works. Stories that's yeah. good. Does this work? Does no. the bickering with six work? <laughs> <laughs> and why not? Because I don't know. I because... feel like. I feel like you, Colin Baker. You you feel like he should have more reverence for his former self, and I don't know why. I, maybe it's because mm. he's just as elder at this point. Maybe it's because, even though it's funny, because Colin Baker's the character is older. Yeah. Um, maybe it's just because you you just sort of see the actors and you just think, uh, I don't know. But I will say this. Like, uh, I don't really like the bickering here just because, like, they're both kind of like, I guess maybe it's partly because Colin Baker's doctor is so irascible right off the bat. Mm. But the, mm. uh, to me, the problem with this being a multi doctor story that fails is because you never really have a scene where they come together at the end and they win because they're together. And that's, I think, almost an essential component of a multi doctor story, right? Like, yeah. The three doctors does it. The five doctors does it. Day of the doctor does it. Like why else bring them together? And even if they don't like solve the entire problem that way, you need the multi-doctor moment. Like that moment, yeah. and there's mul- multiple of them in day of the doctor, but I mean, just that yes, scene where three of us. Yeah. Well, I, even the scene, even before that, where Matt Smith and David Tennant are in the, the vault in the tower of London and they're, they're kind of, commanding they've just come out of the mirror or, or the painting or whatever mm. and they they take command of the scene and they kick mm. their feet up at the same time like in synchronized yeah, fashion beautiful it's it's perfect and you need there's no moment that even approaches that in this you know they're just kind of yeah, there together it, well the closest thing is where they're sort of tied up together and uh it's sort of agree at the same time like they're of the same mind to try some sort of plot with the wheelchair and they're like, right. what do you think might work? Um, so there is. There's a little yeah, bit. There's, there's, I guess there's, there's a hint of that. To be fair, I just want you know. I you, the thing is, you you have a multi doctor story. You hype a multi doctor story. You want the multi doctor moment, and I don't think it really happens here. So I'm being a little yeah. hard on it. I agree. There's there's hints of it in episode three, but there really isn't much of it, and they're they're not really on screen together much at all. They're not. It's sort of it's weird because they're clearly there are so many scenes where they're clearly in the same studio, right? Because in the back of my mind, I was like, well, was was it just scheduling conflicts? Was Patrick Troughton only available on certain days to film certain scenes, and that's why this is had to do it separately? Uh, but no, they they're in the same studio together, and and Troughton was pretty damn available. So, like, why not put the doctors together more? That's what we're. I know. That's what we're here I, for. I, I like that the first episode doesn't do it because you want to build that suspense. You want to build up to mm. it. 
that's yeah. fine. And it's I think it's actually really good. Like again, the first episode I think is one of the better episodes of Doctor Who. Like there's a lot of great dialogue. There's a good mystery. You have, you know, Jamie and Patrick Troughton back. That's great. And uh, because they're in the same sets, right? Like you 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 have all this like, oh, when is it gonna happen? When are they gonna get together? Yeah. They're gonna go, you know, you're you're kind of waiting for it. It doesn't happen in that episode, it's fine. Uh, but then it kind of doesn't happen in the next episode. And then yeah. there's a lot of all this stuff about it's really a red herring, and we all knew it was a red herring. Oh, the second doctor's been killed in the past, and that's gonna mean death for the sixth doctor now, and the cosmos might actually get blown up for come on no one bought that why, why yeah. did even the sixth doctor buy it for a second it just doesn't make any yeah uh, so I that's mean, basically really... you know th- this was supposed to be called the androgram inheritance right and holmes uh you know that's what holmes wanted to call it um by the way there, there was one remnant of that u.s versus british english dialogue thing which is where the doc- uh, sixth doctor looks at perry and says columbus has a lot to answer for Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. that was meant to be a dig at you know uh, at Americans um, but <laughs> literally the only line that survived but yeah, was it the, American? The, very, <laughs> the very title of the two doctors I remember in 1985 like that felt like a, a real letdown right um, we're like, doing the bare minimum because we had the five doctors we had the three doctors and why is it two? the six doctors you got six yeah. now. Do the six doctors. I know, and and even if you couldn't get to, uh, Tom Baker, because this is definitely very much in the era where Tom Baker was having yeah. nothing to do with Doctor Who. Uh, you know uh, why the four doctors is available? Mm-hmm. Um, I I did actually look up. So Richard Herdnell, who plays William Hartnell's Doctor in the Five Doctors, uh, right. had I think just died recently. Unfortunately, like he, oh. he died shortly after yeah. the five doctors. So, because I was like, well, you could just get him back. Well, actually, no, you couldn't. Uh, you mm. could definitely get Pertwee back, though. Yeah, you sure. Know, Pertwee was just doing the doctor all over the place anyway. Yeah, he ended up doing the stage um, play. He, I remember there was an interview and in sort of the making of. Sorry, no, that so more of the life of John mm. Pertwee. But he, he was he had, he had very warm thoughts about Doctor Who, yeah, even yeah. Uh, for for years afterwards. So. Yeah, he was. He would. He would have yeah. certainly been game. So you definitely would have got Pertwee. You got Troughton. Wouldn't get Tom Baker, yeah. but Davison. I mean, why not? Like Davison could know? come back. Yeah, you could have a, a four Even, doctors. He's, um, he's been on record as sort of thinking he uh, left a little too early. Yeah. That he was a little regretful about it. So, so you got four. Mm-hmm. So you can do the four doctors at the very least. I mean, that's pretty good. <laughs> like that's Problem that's a putting, different title. Putting Davison, putting Davison's doctor back with Perry though, sort of kind of like Perry would definitely want to warn him about Androzani, right? Um, well, that, that's a good little moment. You, know, you that, could have Colin Baker tell her yeah. no. And yeah, no, I, would have loved, I would love it. If, you know, you were a lot nicer to me back then. Yeah. <laughs> like, I would have loved little, little bits like that. <laughs> yeah, like, see, think about see. it. Yeah. Yeah, you know, be why more like you be more like your old self? So, yeah, you could have done it. I mean, yeah, you, could you could have, have done a whole it. subplot where she's trying to run off with the fourth doctor. Um, well, I got to say, but, the multi doctorness of this one, I, th- I think, left a bad taste in the mouth of a lot of people. And it's because of that, that they really didn't mm. do them um, in the books or uh, much other uh, media for a while. Uh, that said, there was sort of the mm. exception of the Sirens of Time which is, I think, either the very first or one of the very first Big Finish audios, which uh, brings mm. Davison, McCoy, and Baker, Colin Baker together. 
So, right. um, and but it doesn't you don't a good call way. it the three doctors, right? You know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you, don't, you don't have to. Yeah. Uh, and they did actually I mean, eventually they... do something called the Four Doctors as a as a graphic novel with the uh, New Who Doctors, but um, you you do want to have a reason for. It. I mean, if you keep doing the special thing again and again, it's not special mm. anymore, right? So. You, right. you can't just keep doing it. Like uh, that said, you know, we already know David Tennant's back. I mean, but it is the 60th anniversary sort of, like I say, once every 10 years, go do it. That's fine. You might. Yeah, and you can do. The thing is, like, I guess there's a different school of this, which is to say, like, can you, and this is almost be, this is almost like what this episode is trying to do. Mm. Can you bring the doctors together in a way where it's not, the stakes are so high that all of time and space is threatened, blah, 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 the time war, et cetera. Um, is that kind of interesting? And I will confess it is a little bit like, cause here they just kind of cross paths and there's no discussion of, Oh my God, things must be so bad. This must be the worst thing ever because there's two of us or four of us or three of us or whatever. I kind yeah. of don't mind. That's like, Oh, we're just crossing paths because that's what happens when you're a time traveler. You just end up meeting yourself sometimes. Yeah, right? I guess like, it, it does sort of, it's, you know, it's the one example of, of just sort of almost happening to be there, happening to cross paths, except it isn't really. And we sort of, like the, the Time Lords are, are kind of big off-screen players in the two Doctors. Right. And we don't fully understand their reasoning. Um, you know, if, if they're manipulating things at the level that we're talking about, Maybe they're manipulating the sixth doctor as well. Um, you know, well, the whole Time Lord component, doctor, just like, I mean, we could talk about that for a bit. Like, the Time Lord component of this is actually really interesting. It's only literally explored much in the first episode, but I really yeah. like the politics uh, in the conversation with the second doctor, Dastari, where hmm. Dastari, I think, kind of rightfully gets indignant at the whole idea, like, I, wait, I've got a report to the Time Lords just because I I'm interested in time travel. Like, who gave you the right yeah. to police time travel? You yeah. think you're so great? Like, you must have discovered it on like who who policed you? Who's who are you? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, screw you guys! Like, why 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 do you yeah, have any California. say whatsoever in what time travel I'm doing? And then there's like the weird yeah, we, rules with the time ships we can talk about later. But I really liked that indignation he shows because I share it. Obviously, like it's yeah. like. We all know also the Time Lords are jerks, right? Like they're not a good model of a of a well functioning mm-hmm. society. Like they're which is what I, Robert Holmes taught us with with yeah. the uh, the Deadly Assassin, right? Exactly. You know, that was the tearing down of Time Lord society. I, I love it if they just throw in a line like, "You keep going like this, Time Lords, you'll end up in some sort of time war." Uh, right. Meaningfully to canon. Um, the, the great of the <laughs> time camera. war had been foreshadowed as well as post-shadowed you know um mm. yeah that, that would have been great but yeah the, the biological component of time travel comes out right. here which is sort of weirdly interesting it suggested that time lords have something within their dna that prevents what is it molecular destabilization is prevented by this yeah DNA thing. and i guess I guess the idea here, and I, again, it goes by pretty fast, and I don't, it's not the MacGuffin, so they don't repeat it. But mm. the Carson Reimer, who are apparently the scientists who are developing this time travel, didn't entirely develop it, and maybe they, they stole some of the technology. So it's based more on Time Lord um, 
uh, tech and uh, symbiosis than than other t- time travel technologies. So therefore, they need a time lord to prime it. And yeah. again, they've never done this before or since, but it's okay, I think, in that I think this is how you create a TARDIS, essentially. You, you, know, you either grow it or a time lord. Basically, it needs to prime the time machine, but it's only because it's based on this technology that they use. So if you invent time travel in some other way, which apparently the Daleks or whoever have, I don't think you necessarily need to do that because otherwise you're just saying the time Lords are the only people who control time travel, which is a little like maybe, I don't know because the vortex is something they built. It's very weird. I think there's, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of interpretations you could go, but the fact that they have essentially ignored this ever since tells you, I think that this Mm -hmm. is even even if they were trying to say some blanket thing about time travel, it's been retconned to the point where it's like, no, it's really just this one story. Yeah, obviously the first thing you do if, if you did build a time machine is go forward to the far future where time machines are commonplace and you can just pick up a really awesome TARDIS on a secondhand lot you know, <laughs> from from some dodgy guy uh, the type 120. Who's selling secondhand TARDISes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but you're just like cool you know for, for people of might i've just invented the time machine i'll totally upgrade to this thing uh i i wonder why that doesn't happen more in, in time travel stories first thing you do upgrade your time machine i know right i think it's it's kind of like iphones because once you get past like iphone 5 or so they're all kind of the same they just have better cameras mm. <laughs> like mm. <laughs> you get slightly better <laughs> software and you can always run the new software usually but it's not not really it's, much to it's it. You got a faster. phone. Yeah, the uh, the the center console doesn't wheeze quite as much. <laughs> yeah. you, you get to your destination faster with none of that sort of tedious hanging about by the console, chatting about stuff. Yeah, you got a swimming uh, pool, you know, and you got an upside has... down swimming pool. You know, that's <laughs> that's what you get in the TARDIS Mark Forty Fifty yeah. or Mark Fifty. I yeah. guess. Yeah, and you might, you might even get chairs. I mean, this is sort of perhaps the most <laughs> busted thing about the Type 40 that the Doctor stole. It's like they hadn't installed chairs in it yet. Yeah, and when um, they finally yeah. puts them in, they're not, they're too uh, far from the console. Exactly. Thank you, Bill, for pointing it's that fantastic out. Fantastic arms. All right, is it time? <laughs> All right. I think it's time think it's for time to do the questions, guys. It's time for the four questions to Doomsday. And yes. question one is, no, why did the randomizer take us here? Chris, what do you think? Why is it? All right, well, uh, well, obviously the randomizer uh, loves Robert Holmes. Um, mm. It's, uh, you know, kind of enjoying the second Doctor. Uh, there is, uh, there are several connections here. Uh, well, yeah, Perry seems to be one of the, the randomizer's favorite companions. Um, but also like we've just come from the doctor kind of living his life out of order. It is suggested in battlefield with the doctor being Merlin. So now here we are with the doctor living his life out of order some more, um, which is kind of cool. Um, also the randomizer does love to take us to like a, a, a story before or a story after, stories mm-hmm. we've previously done like that's one of the reasons uh, one of the ways you know in which this is true randomness like it bunches up weirdly and when we had just done uh mark of the rani which is the next chronological 
story or the prior? I can't remember which. Um, let me think. There was, there was two. Yeah. Oh, sorry, Attack of the Cybermen. I think there was Vengeance on Varos, Then Mark of the Ronnie. Then I think the two yeah, doctors Mark comes after Mark of the Ronnie. So yes, yeah, so but we've done. Life, and yeah. to your point, this is where I kind of went. We've done a chunk of season twenty-two now, and coming at it from these various angles, particularly coming from Spirit from Space and thinking a lot about Troughton, and I kind of feel like where we're getting a certain amount of Time Lord background all at once, which hmm. um, uh, I feel like with from Deadly Assassin and seeing all these other things, I feel like Bob Holmes and the, also the, the Eric Sayward was script editor, I believe, at the time. And yeah. I think they're both kind of obsessed with Time Lords, you know, like there's a because we have the Time Lords sending the Doctor to do things in mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Attack of the Cybermen. There's definitely some background on them in Mark of the Ronnie. Um, I think there's a good chunk of like Colin Baker era Time Lord stuff that's there clearly sort of under the surface um, and sort of reveals Even a bit of like trial their, of a Time Lord. Yeah. 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 So, and then Trial of Time Lord full on, right? Like there's a little bit of a Time Lord obsession here, which I don't know mm. if it's necessarily great for the show, to be honest yeah. with you. I feel like it um screws up a little bit of it's too easy one to sort of tee it up and the time lords just end up being this all-powerful thing that mm-hmm. um you know provide the the motivation for things and yeah. i feel like the stories are worse for that you know like yeah i i agree like if, if you're going to center the time lords like this actually put them front and center like let's have someone in a big collar come in at some point um, right um and kind of talk a little bit about Time Lord motivation. Don't just have them in the background. Well, and I got to say, to their credit, when the big Finnish audios do this, there's usually a bit of a twist in that you you see who's doing it at some point and why, and it's usually a, a big disappointment, right? It's not like they're this master manipulator regime or person. They end up usually being someone just kind of doing whatever, to further some goal and they probably have not the best motivations to begin with. Yeah. And I, I feel like that's a good little string. The big Finnish audios have plucked. And again, deconstructing time Lord society. I always, uh, and t- taking them down a peg, I think is always a good thing generally. Agreed. Um, yeah. and so, um, doing it, doing it more and more, I think is, is, uh, is good. It's too bad we had to wait a while because, you know, it's, there's still sort of that omnipotence here in the Sixth Doctor era, even with Trial of a Time Lord a bit. Yeah, it is kind of weird that they, they're trying to frame the Time Lords with the Sontaran attack. Uh, right. That, that just really doesn't fly at all. But yeah. anyway, yes, the randomizer loves Time Lords um, so much that it apparently wants us to um, go to all of the stories that have just <laughs> mere mentions of Time Lords. It um, sounds like an evil plot of the randomizers, but it really I think does, yeah. we got to focus more on the evil plot of this episode. Hey, oh, it's yeah. what if the evil plot had succeeded is our second question. That is question two. Okay. So what is the evil plot? First of all, is it, uh, Dastari's evil plot to have Chassini rule the universe? Is that it? Well, and then there's like, the secrets of time travel for the sun turn. So you really do have to pick your evil plot. Shockeye's evil plot is just, I want to eat people. Yeah. <laughs> so Which, you can pick like, if that had succeeded, yeah. Dr. Who would have been taken off the air a lot faster. 
<laughs> it was michael grades like the cannibals now yeah <laughs> this definitely would have been the last season so that's that's <laughs> if the evil blood had succeeded doctor who never gets Off the there's no sylvester mccoy probably no new who right um patrick Troughton eat, eating human flesh shocker um yeah kind of weird but yeah you got you got to assume that it's uh Dostari uplifting Chassini is the evil plot and if right. it succeeds then then she rules all of time and space well because she has like, a time machine so yeah but the thing is then i guess you have to assume they even are able to do that and then i think there was some question depending on if the the sixth doctor i guess he could prime it um and he fools him into thinking he's primed the machine yeah but it's also like if if it ever breaks, you you don't you can't build another one, right? Like you're not. Yeah, uh, I, I, don't really, I don't get it. Like the Santarans don't explain why they need time travel. It, it, the one time uh, that I think Stike mentions it, it's like, oh, I got I got to get back to this thing, you know. Well, this, this I, in the hands of the Santarans, I'll, I'll give it points, right? Like in that, okay, mm-hmm. I, I'm pretty sure a military race with access to time travel would figure out that uh, we'll just go back in time and destroy all of our enemies and it would essentially be you know a time war of of a sense so that's okay like i feel like if the sotarans like as comical as they are here and as extraneous as they are if if it if the their evil plot succeeds it's end of the universe because they've already shown they can sort of not quite go toe-to-toe to the time lords but they're clever enough to um you know pull the wool over their eyes so yeah, yeah that, you get be a another problem. time war kind of situation. Uh, time war between the Time Lords and the Sontarans would would be, you know, like you 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 could place your bets on either side in that conflict. A time hmm. war between the Time Lords and Andragums, <laughs> the one uplifted Andragum in the universe. You know, even though she is Servalan, I I don't think that uh she can necessarily succeed on her own by the way um uh, the the blake seven reference have you watched blake seven have you i have not watched blake seven i've always meant to yeah yeah it's i i highly recommend uh the serverland episodes uh her her chemistry with paul darrow plays avon it's just just exquisite and big big part of my uh childhood and uh certainly of of uh yeah, Servalan. Um, well, she, she wears very interesting, revealing dresses, and has a very <laughs> sexy short haircut. So, okay, you know, you're selling it. It's probably a big part of my sexual awakening as a child. Um, but, uh, but not yes, Perry, uh, not but, Perry here. No, God, oh, Perry was so annoying, and it was something that felt fake about her even then, even though I didn't know that the accent was fake at the time. Um, but yeah, okay. So yeah. evil plot has to be the Sontarans, basically. Yeah. I so think, next I think that's, question. That's only the one that really works because I think if Chassini yeah. wins, I don't know if she really does much. Frankly, yeah. like I can't really see her as a queen of the cosmos making uh, yeah. a huge splash on anything. Yeah. Um, and the second Doctor goes on uh, is you know eating people until <laughs> he has some indigestion and regenerates into Anagram John Pertwee. <laughs> <laughs> Andragum John Pertwee. Now that I would see. There you I would go. Love to it's see the the three doctors where where two of them are Andragums, and <laughs> basically just Trouton and Pertwee going out for meals and uh, just having bickering at each other over the meal. Yeah. Oh man, I love it. All right, it'd be the the great British bicker off. 
Uh, um, as much as I'd love yeah. to dwell on that, we have to go to question three of our question four three. questions, which is where is the Clara Splinter? Hmm. Oh God, uh, is hmm. she the one who's sort of uh, is she on the the Spanish tourist board? You know, Santaran division or Andrigam division? Like, you know, just standing at the space station uh well i think yeah i feel like she's got to be on the space station well here's the thing like shakai gets a good look at jamie so does jacini actually jamie runs off somehow survives the whole assault i guess they run but i'm also like if if these people are competent in the least they would Mm. be like make sure you kill that tellurian yeah and i think clara has to take that hit for Jamie, mm. you know, in the sense that she is there and either is mistaken for him or dresses up like him and just um she gets killed as one of the station people. But it's yeah. like, okay, that's the reason Jamie survives. And you know, you can, can believe it because it's like to these people, like they... all humans look alike, yeah. right? They're all Tellurians. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, and you know, there, there's one in a skirt. Go, go, get her, him, right. it, whatever it is. You know, yeah, yeah. So that's boom. a great place for the Clara Splinter. Uh, yeah. Clara, Sp- <laughs> she just is <laughs> lives a life where she's brought up in a space station. Has a, a very strange interest that she can't quite put a finger on why uh, in uh, kilts and uh, Scottish <laughs> uh, wear um, of the 18th century and. Uh, and then yeah, as she dies, as, you know, Jamie runs away. She's like, oh, okay, that's why. <laughs> I get it now. So there it is. That's my thought. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So I, I also like the idea of Spanish tourist board, uh, Clara, you know, just like, come, come to sunny Spain. There's <laughs> flamenco dances in front of the Santarans. Here, take this leaflet on Andalusia. Uh, well, Wasn't the nice only reason they again. go there because uh shotguy wants to eat a human like yes. I feel, and there's there's okay, like a, so some throwaway maybe... thing about how it's i don't know positioned somewhere in the santaran uh, battle it's a, a strategic thing in their fight with the rutans or something but i, I forget but there was some it's, other it's, weird piece of dialogue it is the lamest excuse for let's go on holiday to to seville that <laughs> I've, I've ever heard uh it's just you know, oh all of a sudden we're here in this villa oh it's cool um, but yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Last question in the four uh, questions. Is this a Dalek? Is it an Ogron or is it a Viscount Banger? And I feel like yeah, we're both well, coming down on the side of the Ogrons. <laughs> yes. It's it's an Ogron that is starting to transform into an Andrigan and is, <laughs> is looking hungrily at the other Ogron. See, if the they'd done the Ogrons, that's a little more, you know, a little more to work with there in terms of is this thing, you know, a higher species yeah, or whatever? O- o- I don't know. Andrograms just seem like people. They're hungry people who have strange customs about what they eat. No, it's unfortunately, yeah. I, I'm calling this one the two Ogrons. It's yes. not enough Ogron for one <laughs> Ogron. It's not very good. Again, episode one almost redeems it. There's There's really good stuff. It's a pretty good setup with the second Doctor. I like a lot of the choices. And then it just mm. sort of wanders around on holiday. And after drinking and eating too much, it falls into a food coma. It's done. So, 
Yeah. It's two so ogrons in the corner eating paella and chips. Um, <laughs> I I do have to say, I'll, my final thought on the two doctors, I was prepared to hate this because I remembered hating it at the time and just feeling like it was a wasted opportunity on so many levels. Um, so going into it with that uh, sense, I was I was pleasantly surprised. Hmm. Are you giving it? Are you and, all the way to a Dalek then? Even if it's a oh a no, no, Dalek? it's not a Dalek. <laughs> it's not a Dalek. It's it's two very entertaining Ogrons. Ah, it's the Rosencrantz and Guildenstern of Ogrons. Yes, there we go. <laughs> nice. All righty. Well, it's time to leave Spain and the space station and multi doctor stories. Perhaps we'll see, because we don't know where we're going next. Because we need to activate the randomizer. Do to find that out this is the time we got to fire it up guys chris what are the two components to our randomizer here on pull to open so our randomizer is composed of the codex which is the pull to open list of all 301 by our reckoning uh doctor who stories we've made a few slight uh decisions that are different from other uh lists of stories uh combine some you know basically what we think of as coherent stories um, check the link so in the show notes. One of those, indeed. Check, please check out our codex. Uh, it's a spreadsheet. You guys love spreadsheets, right? <laughs> um, so, and then the other part is we uh, in- introduce true randomness with random.org, which is a website that uses atmospheric noise, uh, whether or not the atmosphere has been invaded by a Santaran sphere, um, to determine a random number rather than the pseudo pseudo random numbers of computers and algorithms and all that stuff proper randomness bespoke randomness just like the doctor would use you Um, betcha so how we do this is that i will count you down chris you've got the mm -hmm. random.org connection i've got the codex here unfolded in front of me and we will combine these things and find out where pull to open is going next are you ready, sir? Uh, but first, we, we like to challenge the randomizer. Oh, that's right. I almost um, forgot the challenge. Often, mm. we uh, we like to challenge the randomizer uh, with using reverse psychology because we know that the randomizer does not listen to us and will often do the exact mm. opposite of what we request. Um, so I'm not even going to mention my desire to get into New Who again <laughs> after how many? How many? Pull to open episodes have been on Classic Who at this point? That's a good question. It's, we should do a count yeah, next time. We should. Um, yeah. Probably we like at least, at least half a dozen, probably more. The last yeah, time we were in New yeah. Who was Eaters of Light, which was oh, God. months and months ago now. Feels like a different yeah. life. Really <laughs> Literally does. a few different um, lives since <laughs> several regenerations ago. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, so I'm not going to fall into the, the honey trap of requesting a new Who episode. What well, I'm going to say... I will. No, go ahead. Oh, you... <laughs> what I'm going to say is, please, Randomizer, this was a very food-based episode. Take us to another food-based episode. Perhaps hmm. one that makes the case for meat oh, in wow. some way. Okay. Interesting. As, I mean, you know, the... The Romans might count, for example, if we hadn't already done the Romans, right? There's a lot of feasting uh, in the I Romans. vaguely remember the Time Warrior was at some sort of medieval <laughs> chicken leg crunching yeah. or something in there. So we could do that. Yeah, yeah. That's so cool. I'm, I'm just going to say that. Let, give us give us another food story. 
So I'm going to say, since we recently had our first McCoy episode, mm. I have to request the only doctor, uh, other than McGann, who is kind of the the triple Yahtzee of our yes. whole <laughs> spreadsheet, but um, the only doctor we haven't done is Eccleston. Is Eccleston. I want an yeah. Eccleston episode, guys. Let's do it. Yeah. Okay. Wow. You you are just out there naked in front of the randomizer. Just <laughs> give us new, I, I've asked for new who and now it's gonna like take us to the Aztecs or something. So <laughs> be ready. Which I hope I think there's food in the Aztecs. Anyway, there right. is. <laughs> okay. <laughs> give me a countdown. Uh and we will generate uh next location. The countdown begins at four, three, two, one. <laughs> 134. Oh, it did not listen to you. Did not listen. Let's see where we're at. One, we're still in old two. Is oh, we're bounce off it. It's time locked. That is Planet oh. of Fire. I've oh. already done it. Oh, so interesting. Again. Planet of Fire was the last um uh prior to the two doctors, I believe. Uh international, internationally filmed. Right, Lanzarote. Yeah. All right, so we get to generate again. Give me another okay. counter. In Three, two, one. Moisturize me. 78. Still. Mm. <laughs> still in old hope. No way. What do we got? We have Revenge of the Cybermen. Oh, okay. Cool. Uh, which which one is that? <laughs> that's, come, that's the one right after Genesis of the Daleks. Oh. This is the first season of Tom Baker. Yeah. There's Voga, there's Gold. There's Nerva Beacon. It is the final serial of uh, season 12. Yeah. yeah. And, it's got all uh, that, along with some aliens with fun, fun eyebrows. You know why this is so great? It's because there's that whole thing at the end of Genesis of the Daleks where we did it, where Sarah Jane finds this costume in a closet. Oh, uh, yes. And it's oh, good memories. She's yep. wearing a different costume in Revenge of the Cybermen, <laughs> which was filmed first. So they have to somehow find her clothes yeah. in the preceding story. There you go, so. Sarah. Put this on for no reason whatsoever. <laughs> oh, I love it. Guys. Now we get to find the reason. Yeah, the connections are happening and they will continue to happen. Uh, the next time you join us when we do Revenge of the Cybermen, you have been listening to Pull to Open. It's a podcast. Uh, if, if you have not subscribed yet, please do. And if you're on YouTube, go ahead and turn on that little bell, which gives you the notifications. We like that. And you'll like it, too, because yeah. you'll get informed every time we upload a new video. The sound of bells. Please follow us on social. We're very active on TikTok at pull to open and also on Instagram and Twitter at pull to open 63. And we are here. We are random. We are doing Revenge of the Cybermen next time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited. We'll see you then. More Cyberman yeah. episodes. Remember, this is this is responding to a request from a long time ago when I was requesting more Cyberman episodes. It's finally getting around to it months and months finally. later. You did yeah. not specify which doctor you wanted to episode from. It's all good. It's all good. I'm we'll excited. Never seen it. I'm looking forward to it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to, to hearing about, about it. it next time. Thanks for coming, guys. Talk to you soon. Bye.